Welcome to Developing Leadership the Genuine Contact Way, where we are focused on nourishing a culture of leadership by applying timeless principles of life to the art of leadership. In each episode, we're exploring one key principle. We'll share our own wisdom and insights and invite you to consider your own experiences in life and business so far and how you want to further your leadership development with this theme. This week, we're exploring communication. I'm Rachel Bolton, and I'm here with Birgit Williams. We invite you to think of why we communicate. Communication is prompted by some kind of need or desire. A working definition of communication is an exchange of ideas, concepts, or thoughts between two or more entities. That desire for communication is in all of us, and yet it appears differently in all of us. So I, I like a lot that you're uh, referring to a starting point for us to each sit back and think about uh, communication. What is it for us? What is it for me? Yeah, it's certainly an interesting question to ponder and to really, maybe for the first time, I feel like as, as we're thinking about it and walking into it today, like to consider the, the starting point of communication and this idea of needs or desires and the exchange of them. So it's, a, it's an interesting thought to walk into and to start our considerations for today on. Building on that, we want to offer the next layer of it, which is that at different times, one person in communication is the transmitter and the other one is the receiver, kind of like a walkie talkie. When the person transmitting is finished transmitting, somehow they're indicating that like over as though it's done. At that point, the receiver gets a signal that the transmission is done. And it's then possible for that second person who has been receiving to become the transmitter. And in this way, communication is an ongoing sending and receiving. And that is, of course, Rachel, in the ideal, uh, because uh, there's certainly that which is called communication, in which a person does sending, and then when they're done, they kind of, yep, we're done, and aren't available for the receiving part. So I like a lot that there's this uh, concept that we're offering that is uh, very much focused on the sending and receiving and continued sending and receiving until the communication feels complete. I think it's just as important to think about the receiving part of it, because as you say, it's very true that there is some part, some styles of communication where someone delivers their part of the communication, they send it off without then also equally being the receiver. And at the same time, it can definitely be possible to be in some kind of communication where you are providing something where you're sending your information and the other person is not me maybe doing a really great job of being the receiver not not that really like deep and present listening but maybe half listening or tuned out and paying attention to something else so there's really this beautiful balance that is possible in communication when both people are present to it what a pick up on that word, being present to it, being present 
to the communication and being present to the very moment in time that that communication is happening. That is what you are describing. It's a learning, a discipline of being present to the communication, to the flow of that sending and receiving. And we cannot do that adequately if we're not in the present moment where our busy minds are off thinking about things we should be doing or off into the past or the future. Um, this is um, that the communication does require being present into the moment. So there's this presence that is one ingredient that's critical to good communication in our leadership uh, of our lives and in our work. And another ingredient that is really important is this idea of need or desire. Assuming that communication is prompted by a need or desire, what is the likelihood of successful communication if need or desire are absent from the, that communication? Oh, doesn't that cause arguments? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of all the conflict that happens when a person enters into communication because they desire to communicate with another person or a group of people. And when there's absence of need or desire on the part of the others for the communication, that's an instant moment of conflict, whether spoken or unspoken. It feels cold and prickly. It doesn't feel good. Absolutely. There's that feeling of it. And then the other side of it, um, whether it can be conversation or other forms of communication without the need or desire for some, like, and I think about it, like, in that, like, purposefulness of, like, are we, is there benefit to this conversation or are we just filling some time or creating conversation and communication in order to fill silence because we're uncomfortable with it or whatever it might be and how uh so if, if you've got the communicating your own need and desire and not being met in it it can feel cold or prickly and then if there's conversation happening or communication happening without need or desire how uh, useless or boring it might feel so what a powerful opportunity, I guess, uh, in our leadership to really cultivate being a communicator uh, when there is something that feels like there is really sub something to be communicated and not just simply because communication might feel good at this moment. So we want to give you uh, some tips on growing your skillfulness with communication. And we're going to walk through a couple of different pieces of this, starting with the grief cycle that you can see if you're watching this as a video on the screen right now. And it's about right timing. Skillfulness with communication requires right timing. You need to pay attention to the right timing for receptivity to the thing that you're wanting to communicate. So uh, let's say that you have the need or desire to communicate and that requires the other people in the communication loop to have a need or desire to be in the communication with you. So it doesn't become this telling that falls on an unreceptive uh, group or individual. And so as we look at 
the grief cycle, we look at um, timing in terms of if a serious event of some sort's happening, that's not the right timing. If um, the people are in the stages of grief, of being in shock or anger or denial, um, there is not going to be great receptivity to the communication uh, that is being undertaken because the human needs to go through the cycle of grieving uh, in response to a particular event. So we're paying attention here um, to the stages in the grief cycle of memories or acceptance or letting go. Okay, those are good timings for communication uh, that uh, is right in accordance with the timing in the grief cycles. If you know the grief cycle as a leader or in your leadership, you can be paying attention to that. And of course, um, the best communication uh, happens when there's letting go that has been done and there's open space for a real conversation. So that's looking at the right timing as a key ingredient for success and skillfulness with communication. The next piece to look at is the right mode of communication, that you are communicating in a way that someone can receive it in the easiest way in terms of the language you use or the body language or all those other pieces of communication. And one way that we want to suggest to you that you can build that right mode is to use a simple technique from neuro-linguistic programming, also called NLP, that is taught in sales training primarily to improve communication for the purpose of success with selling. This simple technique helps you to be the same frequency as the receiver. And it starts by listening for keywords when your intended receiver is transmitting. Are they talking about the things they're seeing, hearing, or feeling? Like, you know, I see that this is the thing that you're ha that's happening, or I'm feeling like this is happening. Uh, and when you notice those words, you can adjust your transmission accordingly so that it's also using the same words. If a person's preference is that they're talking about the things that they're seeing in the conversation, using the same words so that you're able to build resonance with the receiver. If you're unsure of the receiver's mode, then it's a great practice to intersperse all three of these words, seeing, hearing, and feeling in your messaging. So with the receiver who um, is giving cues that they're seeing what you're saying, like, I, I see what's going on here, um, that shift that you can make so easily in your leadership to use visually oriented words to create a word picture um, to um, and for the uh, person who is learning uh, and uh, receiving their communication through feeling like, I feel what you're saying. Well, how great to use a metaphor that assists with the feeling. Uh, how great to use a story 
to assist with the communication that uh, resonates or builds that rapport with someone who learn, uh, who is uh, receiving based on their feelings. And then, of course, to use uh, communication that is based on auditory, that includes reference to sound, to music, to something auditory for those who are in receiving mode about I hear you. It helps to build that rapport. I think as you get practiced in this, it's such a gift of like really listening also as you are the receiver of the, the transmission from the person who's sending to you in that moment. And as you develop skillfulness in these words, that there's an inherent like thing that happens of then also noticing other words and being able to mirror those back or using something that is similar so that you're continuing to build great alignment in your communication. What I like to do is um, to do just what you spoke about. If you don't know uh, the receiver's preferred mode, or if you have a group of receivers um, that you're communicating with to interchange what you, that you're presenting, uh, your communication visually, auditorily, and uh, to cater to feelings, the receivers who are engaging their feelings. Uh, it is a great, great discipline and practice to teach oneself in leadership how to adjust between those three, how to catch oneself. I find myself doing that even with emails. I might have an email where I uh, will be completely visually oriented and use words like, um, like I, I see this, or I've just seen this, or thanks for showing me that. What, you know, they're all visual words. And I'll look back at my email and go, no, I want to uh, include uh, pieces in my email that are not only visually oriented, uh, so I might um, experience myself uh, highlighting those words and saying, how do I replace this with something that is more for the receiver who needs to have their feelings engaged? So I might add a sentence or two to say, here's how this might feel. Let me know how you're feeling about this. Or here's what I'm hearing. Or I hear you. Um, and then to check Am I hearing you correctly? So these are some great tips about the right mode of communication. So we've got the timing right, we've got the mode right. And the final piece is about the right words. Practicing saying what you mean and practicing meaning what you say. It sounds simple as you present this, mean what you say and say what you mean. And it is simple once you practice to make it a habit. For most people, uh, unless you have been practicing this habit already, this new habit needs to replace existing habits of communication. And I will give you the tip of finding someone who is in your circle of people who is a really literal thinker and giving them the, the freedom to always call you on it when uh, they're confused by the things that you say. I say that because I have a child who is a very literal thinker and 
getting really good at my words uh, in raising her has been one of the biggest gifts I could possibly have to make sure that I'm using the right words all the time. I think this is a skillfulness that each and every one of us engaged in our personal leadership and certainly with uh, people who are in formal leadership roles. This particular discipline and practice uh, requires awareness. It requires awareness of what is coming out of your mouth. It requires awareness of the words you're using. Um, and it acquires awareness of how sloppy uh, oneself might be with words, uh, where one is uh, believing that one is communicating well with their words, but there's a lot of assumption made, a lot of um, taking for granted that the other person can kind of grasp your meaning. Um, and there's, I just caught myself using the words kind of grasp your meaning. There's different ways that people speak where it's, well, it's kind of like this or it's, it's like that, but, but doing it in quite a sloppy way. This is um, a discipline uh, for your words to mean exactly what it is that you are wanting to convey. And I, I emphasize the self-awareness part. Rachel, you talked about how valuable it is to have somebody in your life like your daughter who feeds back how they understand your communication. And when it isn't working, if you haven't been clear with your exact words to mean what you really mean them to mean. And um, I... Uh, I think that's partnered with, aha, these are signals for me to develop my awareness about what I am conveying so that I convey it with the best use of words that I can. Yeah, I'm smiling a little bit at your choice of the words. It's valuable to have someone in your life like that because I agree, it's valuable. It's also really annoying <laughs> while you're getting good at developing the skill to realize how much we rely on inference or assumptions or that people know the things we know about subjects, uh, lots of different kinds of things that are... Uh, very normal in society, but when you want to get really good at the this right words in your communication, you realize just how unhelpful they are in making sure that communication is as clear and transparent as possible. So yes, it's valuable. Also, not always enjoyable until you finally uh, feel like you have mastered it because they haven't bothered you about the things you're saying in a little while. <laughs> so I do say it with a bit of a caution, I suppose. And that brings us to the, the um, looking at the last step of this growing the, your skillfulness with communication, which is about expanding your capacity with right timing, right words, and right mode of communication. As you've been listening to us, you now have developed a new awareness of a framework for great powerful, clear, transparent, effective communication. And you 
uh, might have had some moments of your own awareness of yourself as a communicator. We want to invite you to draw some conclusions for yourself about what you personally need to do to grow your skillfulness with communication, uh, using this framework as a guide for how you begin that. I think it would be fantastic to also surround yourself with a group of people who uh, is uh, committed to growing their own skillfulness with communication so that you have a practice circle. And if you keep it uh, what I call simple, don't make it more complex than what we have shared with you here. If you keep it simple and practice with each other about timing, about mo mode, and about uh, saying what you mean, and catching each other, and doing like the equivalent of role playing, so that you can practice, 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 you will hopefully be pleasantly surprised at how much progress you can make quickly, and how much improvement you can make in your skillfulness with communication, you'll take yourself to a whole additional uh, level with your communication. Thank you, Birgit, for joining me to explore this topic all about communication as a key capacity for leadership. We are at the end of our episode now. And before we go, we just want to invite you to check out the next episode to continue on in your learning. And before you go, be sure to hit that subscribe button so that you can get all of the upcoming episodes delivered right to your inbox.